0: It's behind the headlines on WLIWFM, our weekly opportunity to sit down with award-winning journalists from all over the East End to do a deeper dive into the week's news. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. We publish the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, the website 27east.com, and Express Magazine. My co-host is Bill Sutton. He's the managing editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Bill.
1: Good morning, Joe. Good
0: morning, everybody. Uh, panel of our regulars this week we have beth young who's the editor of the east end beacon hey beth good morning we have denise civiletti who's the editor of riverhead local hey denise good morning good to have you and we have brian cosgrove who is the host of the afternoon ramble right here on wliw hey brian
2: always great to be here with you guys
0: good to have you so It is school board vote week, which at the local level is a fairly big week for all of us. And I mean, it kept us busy leading up to it uh, with all the school districts getting ready for their budget votes, their votes for the school uh, school board members and also uh, usually, a lot of propositions on the ballots. So up in Riverhead, uh, Beth, you guys, uh, there, there's a there's a race going on up there, right? Beth and Denise, you guys have a, a big turnout for this race, right? A lot of candidates.
3: Uh, yes, seven candidates. Um, I think Denise knows a little bit more about it than I do. Um, but uh, one, uh, only one of them is an incumbent, and um, and one of the seats they're filling is uh, a seat that was vacated by. Um, a, uh, a member of the board who made a lot of um, really uh, derogatory comments about um, Riverhead's ethnic makeup once back. And uh, she had to resign. And now a bunch of people are engaged in uh, trying to fill the board with uh, with new people.
0: Denise, can you tell us a little yeah. bit? More? So it's seven candidates for how many seats? Four. Um, three of them seconds. are
4: three of them are full terms and uh the fourth is um a, uh, a filling filling the, the seat of Lori Downs who resigned uh, she was the, the board vice president and former immediate past president um and um whoever like gets the, the fewest votes um will take you know get, take that that seat and um you know, fill out her term. I think it ex- it ends next year. I think, um, but um, so it should be. Uh, you know, there are seven would appear to be good candidates, and um, it's you know an important it's an important position. I think so. That's like a majority of the board, which you know kind of almost never happens. Uh, I think the voters are going to elect a, a board majority essentially, because um, I think it's a seven member board. Seven member um, boards. So yeah. yeah.
1: So is, um, it, is it typical in Riverhead to have that many candidates or is this due to the controversy well, or is there something else going on that's causing I, people to run? I, I,
4: I think it's I think it's more candidates than usual, but we've had a number of candidates. I mean, like, I, you know, it's never like, you know, you get three people running for two seats, kind of. I mean, rarely does that happen. So um, I, I personally, I wish there were there were more interest on the part of voters. <laughs> um, you know, the, the turnout is pretty low. Um, generally, with the exception of the pandemic year when we had the um, mail in ballots, then the the turnout was excellent. Um, yeah. a, a real lot of people voted in that and voted down the budget twice. but um you know it just it says something about voter participation uh, when you allow that when you make that easy for people to to do. But you know, heaven forbid we do that. Um, so. Um, and how did
0: do, how do the candidates, when you have seven candidates in a race for school board seats, how do they get their message out? I mean, if you had a chance to to sit down and talk with these candidates and how do they distinguish themselves? I'm always sort of intrigued by the way school board races are, are different from yeah. other other races uh, at the local level.
4: I mean, I, what happens in Riverhead, and I don't know about other places and you guys can speak to that, but, um, you know, there's usually a candidate or two. Or in this case, three who are who are favored by the school uh, teachers union. Oh. And they they will like make phone calls and things like that to advocate for their candidates. Sometimes they you'll see signs around. Um rarely do they ever really like advertise, um, at least, you know, in the in an out publication. Here and there they have, but not regularly. Um, and I think it's just kind of word of mouth, you know. Um we we have been doing a thing the last few years where we we prepare some you know some questions and we send the same questions to all the candidates and print their responses um verbatim uh in you know uh and we published that actually last night uh so we do a little bio of the candidates and and then ask them hopefully pointed questions on important issues <laughs> And um, mm-hmm. and and so we do that. I mean, you know, we us try that it's to, probably
0: yeah. it's it's a healthy sign that you have that much turnout for running running for yeah. uh, an office and, and running for school board, I have to say, hmm. I, I feel like serving on a school board is it, you you have to really be generous to do that because it's it is a thankless job in a lot of ways. Uh there's a Absolutely. lot of stress um uh, I I really my hats off to the men and women who who are willing to do that. And it's a whole
4: lot of work. I mean it's not, yeah. you know, it's not like you show up once a month or twice a month and go to a meeting, you know. I mean they 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 work a lot behind the scenes with um you know, the committees uh the various committees involved. They've got a lot to do with um special education. um decisions and things like that A huge huge
1: learning curve right
4: it's a lot yeah and they have to get training there's training offered by um the state and uh you know it's really it's it's a lot of work and a lot of responsibility i mean that you know in riverhead anyway the school budget is you know dwarfs the town budget
0: absolutely so
4: um
0: absolutely and and the passion uh, in the community for the issues that you're dealing with, I mean, you have you you know you're talking about you're talking about two things that mean a lot to people: their kids and money, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and yeah. it really does get people's attention that way. Beth, I, you know in uh, Sag Harbor, we've been talking for months now. Uh, we're leading up to Tuesday's vote about uh, a proposal uh, mm-hmm. that's been uh, basically shorthanded as the Marsden purchase that's being proposed up there uh we're going to finally have a vote on tuesday about that uh this is this has really been a divisive question The, the community has really been deeply divided over whether or not the school district should go on its own to purchase these properties that are adjacent to pearson middle high school
3: yeah i've i've actually i've never seen so much controversy over a um uh as school related issue and um i think the fact that the town was involved and the cpf was involved and it was it got very complicated and of course you have the the park board um and the historic use of the park mashashmiwa park um there's it's so all many kind of tied up
0: together in. yeah
3: um so it'll be really interesting to see how that comes down i don't know if you have a sense of do you think the community is evenly divided or? Is
0: it- you know, it, I think the the most recent vote, and by the way, just the, the basics on this, it's 4.13 acres on Marsden Street, which is right near the school. And the, the school district had been working with Southampton Town to use CPF money to try and make that purchase happen. And the, the talk at the time was for an athletic field uh, on the properties. But now the school district, the, the CPF purchase fell apart. So the school district is actually looking to borrow $6 million through a bond issue. They'll use another three and just short of $3.5 million in reserve funds that they already have to make this purchase. It's, you know almost $10. It's about $9.5 million to buy these properties. But the school district now says that they don't have a specific plan for this land. They will go back to the community to talk about what they'll use this land for after they buy it, because there had been some real controversy about the idea of an artificial turf field in particular on that site. And there's been a lot of opposition. But to your question, Beth, the last time this came up for a vote, the, the vote was fairly close, but the, the district voters seem to be in favor of acquiring this land. I have this sense, and this is just purely my, my, my opinion, but I have this sense that supporters believe they have the votes in the community to get this purchase approved. Um, and so they've sort of, they've sort of dealt with the slings and arrows from the opponents, because I think they feel like they have the votes, but I really do think this is a, 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 an issue that's got the, the community very closely divided. And, and it's been very acrimonious, Beth, right? I mean, it, you know, Sag Harbor is a passionate place, and and uh, the residents have gotten their passions up over over this whole idea.
3: Yeah, I mean, and when you think about the purchase price, I mean, that's two million dollars an acre.
0: I mean, yeah, roughly, yeah, know, over that
3: unheard of on the North Fork, but that's what Sag Harbor is going for. Um, so you know, and a lot of a lot of long term families there, I'm sure, are feeling really squeezed or like they should cash out. Um,
1: so I, did, I, I think what I, I think what's what what's really interesting and and yeah the the, the district is saying they they don't know what they're going to do with with the property and they'll go back to the community and and um we we editorialized in in favor of that when it looked like the CPF purchase was 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 going to fall apart Um we had said that you know this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to kind of acquire land adjacent to um a, adjacent to the school that just doesn't happen a lot I mean in in such you know landlocked district but you know at any district in in the uh, um on the east end you're not going to see that opportunity come along and and I think that though that that one so and and I think the district felt the same way and they said okay well we're going to come back and, and purchase this property and we'll decide what we're going to do with it later which is what we had kind of said in in the editorial grab the property and then figure out what you're going to do with it. But I think then the opponents took that and and said, "Why would we spend all this money on this property if we don't know what you're going to do with it?" And and that became the heart of the argument. Um and I think there's still a lot of opponents who who believe that um, you know, the that the plan is is to to create that artificial turf field and 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 they're opposed to that and they're they're not taking, um, you know, the board's statements to the opposite at, at face value, and 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 again, I, you know, we've said it before. This 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 whole thing perhaps could have been handled differently um, by the school board from from day one. It just seemed like it took turns, twists, and turns, and what's going on, and what's happening, and CPF and not CPF, and artificial turf and not artificial turf, and. 72 lot parking, you know, 72 space parking lot and and all that and there was just so much up in the air but the district is is really under time constraints. If if voters don't approve it now, um, you know, there's a r- very real possibility and the property owner Mr. Trunzo has has said if it doesn't happen then he's going to seek um, you know, other other buyers for the land or develop the, you know, the property um in, into homes or whatever. So when you've got a willing seller um, for for a property adjacent to a school, I, I think you have to try to move forward with that. But but I think that doing doing that just created a lot of division in the community.
0: There's been there's been a lot of heat around the debate as well. And and yeah. frankly, the school board, uh, some of the school board members contributed to that by. Saying that some of the opponents were committing fraud <laughs> with some of the things they were saying publicly and might be might have made some actionable statements, and I think that just raised the 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 level of of intensity of the debate in the community it's been It's been a rough couple of months in Sag Harbor over this yeah. issue. It's really divided the community uh, signs went up, signs got defaced, signs got uh, mm-hmm. stolen you know it, it's been It's been kind of unpleasant uh gonna be an interesting vote for sure though, to see where where it ends up big, big dialogue um,
1: and, a lot of a lot of letter writers, a lot of people writing yeah. letters to the editor a lot of a lot of phone calls to,
0: and, to you know, it you know won't, to the
1: to the media
0: it won't be over on Tuesday because no. if it's approved, then the discussion will begin about what happens not only with that site but with a lot of the other facilities and it yeah. should be noted that the school district now is basically saying that an artificial turf field is more or less off the table and that what they're looking at now is something more like a 100 percent natural field that has sort of an innovative system uh that's used actually on some fields in europe uh to make it a little the drainage
1: the drainage yeah, is a big issue there it drains better
0: and the goal here was to try and get a better playing surface for field hockey. And, and I believe maybe soccer was, was another, but, but, but the idea was to try and improve the playing surfaces for them. So big votes. Uh, But, you know, every one of these school district votes is a big one. And uh, you know, there's, these are budget votes as well as school district elections. So we encourage everybody to get out and vote and have your voice be heard in your local school district Uh, as noted. Most of your tax bill goes to the school district. You can't so, complain
1: about your property taxes if you're not uh, if you're not uh, voting.
0: Absolutely, I think that's fair. This is behind the headlines on WLIW FM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists today are Beth Young of the East End Beacon. Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local and Brian Cosgrove from here at WLIW FM. So, Denise, um, sadly, we've got to talk about shootings again up your way, right? We we had some more gun violence uh, in the last week or so.
4: Uh, yeah, well, there there was a, an off-duty uh, sheriff's department employee, an off-duty officer, um, shot a person who was attempting to enter break into. Uh, their home in in Riverhead and um, no charges have been filed uh, as far as we know uh, Suffolk County homicide detectives are handling the investigation though the person uh, was not killed um, I don't know anything about the person's condition or um, you know they didn't name they didn't name the individual um, who was injured they didn't name um, either party really um, just that uh, this person was trying to enter the home at like four o'clock in the afternoon, was confronted by people in the house, residents in the house. And then this off-duty continued to he continued to come in and the off-duty officer um, fired one shot and, and struck him, um, the intruder.
1: I, the obviously, hand. we don't know the details, but that doesn't just right. sound like a simple break in to me um having it's kind hours. of an odd
4: time to do yeah, like exactly. a whole invasion kind of thing so i i feel and, like there's more to the story and we're, yeah. we'll try to find out what the rest of the story may be but um
0: denise know. i was asking in, in new york state did do did, did we have stand your ground or defend your castle laws or anything like that um
4: not we don't have a defend your you know, stand your ground law um, at New York State, to my knowledge anyway, and I haven't looked into this in a number of years, but um, there y- you have an obligation to, um, you know, unless confronted directly with deadly force, you have an obligation to try to um, escape rather than um, use deadly force against someone even in your own home. As far as I know, and I, I really I, I shouldn't I don't even like talking about this without um, brushing up my, my information sorry to put on you that, in the spot like that. No, that's yeah. OK. I mean, like I, I said before we got on, you know, a few years back, uh, we had a, a situation where another off duty um, sheriff's department officer um, fired at someone um, who actually had already he had already left the house and was running, you know, escaping. And the, and the man ca- apparently came out and uh, to his lawn and fired shots at the car, which is completely, you know, anyway, so he was charged. He was criminally charged. Yeah. But we'll see what happens in this case. I just don't, I don't really know enough about the circumstances. Um, but I will say, since this is behind the headlines, um, I made a really embarrassing assumption yesterday. Um, and uh, that is that when they referred to this off-duty officer, um, I assumed it was a man, oh. uh. <laughs> and I used a male pronoun uh, to describe the officer in his house, and um, I heard from a, a corrections officer uh, who I, that knows me that say it, it was a woman. <laughs> mm. So I was like, "Wow, egg on my face!" That's a you know embarrassing to make a sexist assumption like that. But uh, anyway, I We're all, so I cha- We're all I, human.
5: We're I human. Cha- we make, make mistakes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I make plenty of mistakes, but that one's particularly embarrassing. So I had to I had to uh, uh, correct the the, uh, the headline <laughs> and leave <laughs> where I used the male pronouns and well, wrote a uh, wrote an eating crow uh, correction on my. <laughs>
1: Well, I wonder why the why the uh, police department and their press releases weren't weren't um, um, weren't more specific with that. I guess they're trying to protect the identity of of the officer to an extent, and it's an ongoing investigation. But
5: I,
4: I yeah, I don't know. I mean, Suffolk County Police who put out the press release. Are usually usually their press releases contain a lot of details that yeah. we don't typically get in a town of Riverhead Police Department press release. Uh, which can be very hit or miss, and very, you know, in terms of what they what they say and how they're written. But um, you know, the, the Suffolk County Police have a, a public information office. They've got a staff there, and they put a, you know generally put a lot of information in their releases. So I don't know. I, I placed a call yesterday to ask for more information, but unfortunately, they couldn't really help me yesterday because they had an ongoing uh, like emergency, and in uh, that a Suffolk County police officer was shot in Coram yesterday and mm. um, was yeah so they had that going on so um the one of the pio uh, personnel you know staff members said they would get back to me today which is you know certainly understandable
3: uh, sure.
4: so that that officer ch- is going to make a recovery they said so that's
0: that's, that's nice. good to hear
3: well um, um, on the bright side denise uh the gifford center backs up your um uh new york state law explicitly imposes a duty to retreat before resorting to deadly force
0: Thank you. <laughs> you know, never, I, I, never. I feel never. better now. There, there is a self-defense uh, yeah. aspect yeah. as well that that sure. I think you do have. I mean, you you do have. If you're under threat, you yeah. you can use yeah. force, but if,
3: um, if it's necessary to prevent imminent death or serious bodily harm, yeah.
1: there you go. Yeah, and so, the, but so. but there's this urban legend. Then apparently, this is a, a, an urban legend that if somebody comes into your house, you've got every right to 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 shoot them and and that's not in new york state yeah i, I
4: mean, mean that's yeah. true Often other repeated. yeah well but
0: we should emphasize <laughs> again that this officer was not charged uh, so far in this case with anything um, yeah yeah so we will we will keep an eye on that case as it moves forward i have yeah. no idea i'm frankly flat-footed here no idea how to transition away from a shooting conversation so i'll just raise the fact beth that there is a new. Are we talking food about
5: food sca- compost? <laughs> food scrap composting. It's <laughs> no not a great transition. I acknowledge
0: that. But uh, got to transition <laughs> away somehow. So tell us about the new food scrap composting facility in Riverhead. I'm actually really intrigued with this because <laughs> it's so specific. Um, uh, tell me about how this works because I, I don't really understand how this facility works.
3: Well, it's it's actually really simple. Um, you that you you have they have uh, two big tip carts, like the kind that the uh, the that you put on your curb if you have curbside pickup. And you bring a little green bucket that um, Riverhead Town is actually selling these buckets. You fill them up in your kitchen and you bring them to Young's Avenue, uh, the, the dump there that was my family farm. Not that you would know that. Um, and you give me all your food scrap. No. Oh, it's um, Young's Farm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you put them in this tip cart and then they bring it to the mountain of leaves and whatever that they have behind uh, what you can see from the road and they spread it there and they mm-hmm. cover it with leaves and um, lawn clippings and turn it. And um, this stuff is uh, worth uh, a lot. When it's, are there, uh, are there well rest-
1: restrictions on what kind of um, what, what the food scraps contain or.
3: Yes, they actually have big signs there that I took a picture of. So I wouldn't have to read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I believe i I can get that information for you, but it will take a minute. but um, but Riverhead is not the East Hampton is also considering this. Um, Southhold did a pilot a couple of years back where they managed to get quite a bit of um, pe- uh, people bringing food scraps um, to to a central location. I believe it was a farm. Um, uh, residents of Calverton did a pilot uh, before Riverhead did a town started this townwide program, which they launched on Thursday um but
1: is there an an incentive to bring in your food scraps i mean do you get some of the compost or
3: when when the compost is finished i think it's going to go to parks and rec buildings and ground and then to residents i imagine they'll have enough of it um because it's being mixed in with the leaves and the and that's a lot they
0: have plenty of leaves (laughs) but it's also going to reduce the the flow of food scraps in in the the in what you're throwing away at the landfill, which is a fairly significant amount of the, the waste yeah. stream, as I understand yeah, it's
3: it, it's like about 30 percent. Uh, I've heard numbers between 30 and 40, but with, with the Brookhaven landfill closing, is it the end of this year or next year? Like, yeah. we really need to figure out what we're going to do with our garbage. On the mail. It's I gotta say, though.
0: I don't want to be the negative person here because I think it's a wonderful program and it's great and, and I and I think composting is a terrific thing, but it seems inefficient. It just seems like you're asking people to to keep food scraps for a couple of days and have to make the trip to the dump to dispose of them. Uh, that's why it, I asked
1: if there was an incentive to yeah. to, to bring so, it in.
0: Well, um
3: I was actually Al Krebsky was at this um Uh, thing yesterday, and I asked him, you know, if he thought it would work in Southhold, and he his, the point he made, he said, I think it will work really, really, really well in Southhold, because the people bring their, everyone is in Southhold, not everyone, but most, most people are self haulers in Southhold, and that's the same. Uh, And East Hampton, people bring their garbage to the transfer station themselves, where in Riverhead, they have the curbside pickup. Um, But Riverhead was working with a nonprofit that got a grant to get this program off the ground. Um, and there's a lot of really engaged people, particularly in Calverton. Um, and
1: uh, that's interesting. It's, it's really interesting. I mean I
0: love that I, and and I know there's there's a we we wrote recently about a similar effort, um just sort of a volunteer effort in hampton bays that that a gentleman was doing is the the idea of composting our food waste is is terrific. And a lot of people do that um in their backyards. They have compost and I,
4: I would I was just gonna say we've been doing that forever. And I, you know, I recently bought because I, I I had kind of like a bucket situation under the kitchen sink, but I recently bought a um like a thing that sits on my counter, my kitchen counter. It's a cute little white thing and has little um biodegradable bags that are not plastic. They're made out of I don't know what, but uh, I can vouch for the fact that they biodegrade because if you leave that for, for too long, it'll, it'll start leaking. So it's important. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so and you know it's got a lid that latches, and it's a cute little thing. I mean, you know, it's like a little device. It almost looks like an electronic device, but it's. I mean, it's does not it, it, it's it attract, bigger than that.
2: Does, does it attract animals and rodents if you keep it in your backyard?
4: Well, I mean, no, no, not if you if you you have to mix um, food with with you have to mix greens and browns you know you have to get the right percentage and and i don't put i don't do any kind of meats any meat scraps yeah. or anything like that Definitely. it's just vegetables and and organics and you know you'd be surprised how much of that there is and so then you know you empty this to, into the compost we have three compost uh, uh i meant yeah, I mean if you keep it outside. exactly i meant if know. you
2: keep it out if you keep it outside i didn't mean if you keep yeah. it inside yeah.
4: <laughs> No, I, the I rodents
3: have taken over my house. Indoors.
2: No, I yeah, right. <laughs> No, but, yeah.
3: But, well, <laughs> actually, I, I have the sign from Merit, and um, fat soils and greases, meat and um, dairy products are not allowed. Right, yeah. Right. It also says no diapers, I, I guess people need to be told that, and no pet waste, so... It's amazing
4: uh, what you have to actually say to tell people,
3: you know, but yeah. Um, but, but Riverhead is is selling those that they have a countertop one for $10 and a um a bigger one that you can keep like under the counter or whatever for 25. Mm-hmm. So that's I think that's less than they than what they cost commercially and they I guess they're aerated in such a way that they don't produce odors, so that is helpful. But they do this right. in a lot of other places. Most of them are more urban than here. Yeah.
5: Helps, well, I, mean, that's the the thing. I have, right.
3: I have a yard
4: that is, you know, large enough that I could have a corner where I'm not even looking at it. Like I, you know, where I have my three compost, they're not bins, but you know, areas. And, but if now, you know, we have a lot of people living in apartments now, or we are going to have a lot of people living in apartments. We have a lot of people living in condos and things like that where they don't have an opportunity to compost at their homes. So, you know, Unfortunately the location of this is a little out of the way and um while I remember a time when people you know I would go to the dump on Saturday uh, that that has uh, that luxury has been taken away from us and the opportunity to socialize with our neighbors at the, uh, at the dump but um you know it's and that was a big controversy <laughs> when the town put the uh curbside pickup in believe me um, Yeah that
0: it's a, so. it's a great point that these this program will work better in communities like ours that people are used to going to the dump um, mm. and, and taking the town bags and and all of that it's part of the part of the process
3: these bins are right inside the gates you can literally just like kind of pull off dump it and leave not that that helps you socialize but it, it's not like <laughs> you have to go further and find out where they are they're right inside the gate
4: but you gotta
5: go
0: to Young's Avenue. Mm-hmm. You to go to I guess that's why it's named Young's Avenue. How I never thought about that. <laughs> it's <was> like my <laughs> great 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 grandparents. Was How about that? That's so awesome. you probably you Here's probably have uh, you're allowed to go claim some of the compost then. Wow. I'm
3: gonna I'm gonna chain myself to the fence until they um
0: until
3: <laughs> I can take home a pink And Then I'll be happy.
0: <laughs> I think it's a it's an intriguing program. I'm just I'm sort of I, I will be curious to see how it goes. I I want to see if it spreads. Uh, see if, it, if if other communities pick it up. Uh, it sounds kind of interesting. Well, there's a whole
3: consortium of people working on this. Um, the Peconic Bio Region Group. They had a they had a, comp, a food waste compost summit on Shelter Island, and they had representatives from every town there. So they're all ta- they're all working together on this.
4: Oh, it's a sensible thing to do i mean like as you pointed out before it, it's a cost avoidance measure so from a, from a financial perspective it's good for the town because you know it's 30 if they could get that everybody to do it it's that much out of that much less that has to go somewhere else which uh in the case of riverhead is uh an incinerator in um babylon i think and um And then the ash has to be disposed of and you know Mm -hmm. so it's like if you can deal with these things naturally it's much more it's much preferable and um you know it's it's kind of like the old-fashioned way this is how people what people did with their waste and before everything was you know plastic wrappings and things like that it was a lot easier to
3: handle stuff but
0: the more we can curb the flow the better right
3: and a lot Absolutely. of farmers buy compost from other places. And if they could just use locally generated compost, I guess in order to be an organic farm, it has to reach a certain the compost you use has to reach a certain certain temperature for a certain amount of time. And if they can certify that, they would be able to um sell the compost there to organic farms. So and is, the, is, is, there, an is there, there an advantage is there an advantage to
1: you, I'm sorry, is there an advantage to using local compost or native compost that the i i i'm I'm wondering if there's you know because you have different different makeups of 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 soil and and stuff and if you're bringing in something from somewhere else um is there advantage to something produced locally over over that i'm wondering i I don't know there's
3: definitely trucking costs which are yeah
4: which are serious Plus, local things are locally grown things and made things are always better, right? We know that. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I, I love composting. I love this may gross people out, but I love when you, like, turn the compost because you need to do that to um, make it work better, to make it compost more efficiently. You, you, you see all the earthworms that you see in the compost because that's, you know, and the nutrients are just, you know, and, and the other benefit is you use that and you you use less chemical fertilizers if you're so, you sell yeah. so and so it's it's cost avoidance and it's also better for the environment. It's cost avoidance for residents as well. You don't have to you know
0: it, It's a shame because buy poison. you have that thirty percent of the waste stream that's actually beneficial. It's something we can use. Yeah. Um, so um, I don't mean to. Uh, I don't mean to sound like I'm against composting. I just, I I wonder. Why why do you hate composting, Joe? (laughs) I want to see how it goes. Um, I just am surprised that there are that many people that would be willing to bring food scraps to a to a place. yeah. Some of us uh, care about uh, the planet, Joe. That's great. That's, I, 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 <laughs> I, I,
4: I would say, Joe, that remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I mean, we will uh, keep you know. an
0: eye on that, definitely. <laughs> you know, changing the subject sort of, um, but in a similar vein, uh, mm-hmm. there was a conversation this uh, last week uh, about Suffolk County legislature is now looking at a proposal to increase the county sales tax by one eighth of a penny to help fund some clean water programs. Bill, we, we wrote about that this week. Um, it was part of a summit. Uh, it was a conversation at sort of a clean water summit that was held last week.
1: Yeah, last week on, on, on May 4th um, at uh, Southampton Town Hall, and uh, a couple heavyweights came in, including um, uh, Assemblyman Fred Thiel and Deputy County Executive Peter Scully, who's been dubbed the county's water czar, um which uh, he really enjoys i saw him at a press conference earlier in the year in West Hampton Beach and um uh he wears that like a like a badge as he should because he's done a, a whole lot to help promote um you know installation of new uh new sewer systems new septic uh, the 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 IA septic systems uh, across the county and to help get the county grants um and stuff for for that um, so the idea is that, um, and, and I guess that this was was part of the the state budget, and then has to be passed locally, um, you know, by by the county, that they would charge this new um, eighth of a cent tax, sales tax, and that would all go to water water improvement, and three quarters of that I think would would have to be earmarked for. Um, individuals installing these new upgraded uh, septics, and and a quarter of that could go to um, um, sewer districts, municipalities who who want to use sewer districts. You're talking about a lot of money. I mean, it, it sounds like a little bit and 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 an eighth of a cent. Um, I don't I don't have the um, I don't have the number right in front of me, but it was a, a huge number of what this what this would 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 generate um every year with, within the county um you know again and they have to get some public support for this and they have to get municipal support for this um but it 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 it, it seems like it, it's the next step and we've seen that you know the efforts to to install these these new septics and um problems with uh with with some of the grants and rebates and the irs coming in and and all that kind of stalled that over the last couple years and and i think if um if there was more money that could be provided for that from from the county you would see a lot more people um upgrading um to these new systems
0: absolutely and it's worth pointing out that an eighth of a cent sales tax on a hundred dollar purchase you're talking about 12 cents it's right. not an it's not an enormous um impact, uh, but it'll it'll generate millions of dollars, I believe, in, in the county.
4: There, 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 the estimate was um three point one billion from this eighth of a penny in um from twenty twenty-four through twenty sixty when, when okay. they would sunset. So so it's you know, that's not chump change. <laughs> right.
0: And and I mean I I think this is great and I think all of We've got this, we've got the CPF money that now can go towards water quality grants. You see money flowing from Albany all the time for water quality projects. There's a lot of money available. I think there's also a lot of pressure on the other side to have better, more aggressive programs to actually get this money out into the community and get people, encourage people to put in the AI systems and I'm sorry, the IA systems. Let's not talk about... uh, artificial intelligence, <laughs> getting oh, into the septics. That may be a bad, uh, that that could be a bad jo- development. Joe Shaw uh, hates compost and believes <laughs> The IA systems. Um, now that uh, the issue with reimbursement for the IA systems is not a taxable income anymore, uh, it may be that the problem is, I think a lot of local residents Maybe a little uh spooked by that, and it's gonna take some time to encourage them to come back into the program again and and sign up for it, but there is money out there to to help do this
1: and and I think one of the nice things about it is so so oftentimes you know you hear on the East End about you know county sales tax and county sales tax money and revenue and concerns that that gets spent in the western half of the county and not on the eastern half of the county and you saw that with you know, police tax and, and, and all that. And, but, but this, the way this has worked out is, is it's earmarked um, for, you know, shore facing communities of which, um, you know, the South shore and, and even some, some North shore communities are, you know, on the water would, would have a priority for, for some of this, um, you know, for, for most of this money, I, I guess. I, to me, and, and I'm not, not to be a naysayer, the scary thing about this is, is, you know, the County has had these, Dedicated taxes and dedicated funds um, um, in in the past that were arguably misused or or used for, you know, dedicated for one thing and ended up being used to to fix budget shortfalls or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and I would think that if this goes forward and um, you know, voters need to insist that um that there's a significant oversight. And it sounds like there would be. There would be a committee set up to oversee this money, and that would include not just. Um, uh, lawmakers, but, um, you know, environmental leaders as, as well.
2: Well, Bill, it, it sounded it sounded it was encouraging to hear you say that you uh, at a press conference, you you spoke with the the so-called water czar. Yeah. And you feel like he's really committed to it. So that's a great sign. So, yeah. you know. Uh, and the other thing is a couple of years ago, I don't know how many years ago it was. I'm, I live in the town of Riverhead. They instituted, <clears throat> I think every year now it's like about 100 bucks or something, and they're they're working more on keeping the water cleaner, right? And I'm not big on any, uh, you know, I pay good tax here in part of the town of Riverhead. It's fairly expensive, but I think it was a, it's a great thing, and I happily write that check out every year now. It's like a hundred or 120 bucks to the water people for because they're they stepped up their policing of the quality of our water, or so they're saying, or. With it, with this charge, That's right. the extra that extra charge on your water bill that you're different. talking. I'm yeah, sorry. it's an annual it's an annual yeah. fee now. It happened a few years ago. They they started instituting it. Isn't that right, Denise?
3: Yeah. Do you remember that yeah. charge yeah. one for dioxin? Is that what that's for? Or for cleaning up emerging contaminants. Um, I think so. I think that yeah.
2: that was the point. Yeah, yeah. It's about yeah. two or three, four years ago. But I think it's a great idea. And like you, you said, you know, an eighth of a percent to at least shift the focus on it because we're all finding out that you know remember well, i remember you know who would pay for water like who would pay for tv now yeah. it's like yeah. that's all i do is drink yeah. bottled water.
3: What, one of it's one cool. of my concerns with the septic program is um these systems are, are very very expensive and when they uh-huh. were talking about putting in the ia systems they were saying uh-huh. you know County, uh, uh, not Suffolk, stony brook clean water uh, incubator i'm forgetting the name of it they were talking about getting these systems for under 10 under 10 uh parts per million of nitrogen uh in 10 years for under ten thousand dollars it was like a 10 10 10 thing and systems that are going in now they're costing like thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars dollars um and uh the center for center for clean water technology that's what it is um they actually have a uh uh uh, non-reactive biofilter that uh, they believe will be approved by the Suffolk County Health Department really soon that might be a game changer because it's like um mm. kind of like a wood chip box. it's it's kind mm. of low, tech, but it's also really, really reducing the nitrogen in the water. Um, if get, yeah, if they can get the assistance yeah. so that they're that they're at it because I think a lot of people are just like sticker shock, even if somebody else is paying for it. It, you know, with the with the South Southampton and East Hampton town rebates their rebates, you you put the money out yourself, and then mm-hmm. it takes several months to get you know to go through the Comptroller's office and get that back. And a lot of people, you know, certainly like in in my neighborhood in Flanders, they don't have the money to spend ten thousand dollars on their septic system, especially when, like if you have a failing septic system now, you could re- replace it in kind. I mean, you can't do this with new construction, but you could replace right. it in kind for significantly less. Money. Yeah,
0: then, and you, and your point, you have to you have to have the money to front, even yeah. if you're going to get a rebate on it, you're going to get a refund of it. All you have to have the money up front. There's no question. It's a and, and, and it's. But also, it's, these uh, systems
4: have to be maintained too. I was yeah, sort of sure. add. Uh, and it costs money to run them. It's elect it costs electricity. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, electric cost. the pump involved and all.
4: And, yeah. I, and that's I think the the advantage of the wood chips i don't think that that's not an electric It's not electric dependent right beth i mean i don't know enough about it i don't um, think it is i i yeah i I, was, I did a like a zoom thing i was on with uh chris gobbler and he was talking about that a couple of weeks ago um yeah so that's a that's an interesting development and you know i mean if it something if something has lower maintenance costs and doesn't use electricity and you're not contributing to like you know Carbon that way, Um I think you know that would be a bet a better you know alternative. But it has to prove itself and to the point where the county health department will uh, will uh, you know authorize its use.
0: Um The other thing, the other thing with this conversation, Beth, that always uh, I, I'm always struck by is you talked about the goal being to get it down to ten parts per is that I billion see. or million I, I can't remember, but sure. the. But, <laughs> 10 parts being, I think the water, yeah. the drinking water uh, standard is three, uh, if I remember correctly. And there there were actually, what struck me was, in some cases, um, they can get septic uh, treatment plants the, the effluent that they are they're releasing is drinking water quality. But depending on the watershed that they're releasing it into, that can still be too much nitrogen for that watershed. A lot of the watersheds in our area, even drinking water quality is is not clean enough because they are so, you know, the, the ecosystems are so delicate. Um it's just a reminder. And and that's we're talking about you've removed so much of the nitrogen imagine all of the systems that are just dumping the nitrogen in with no treatment whatsoever which is what we're getting in a lot of places with you know a lot of homes have failing systems and they're and some of them are even in the water table they're just
1: they they noted they noted at this meeting last week that um 70 of the nitrogen you know coming in into the into the the groundwater is coming from the um aged and failing septic system 70 yeah. percent. um so i mean this is this is enemy number one and uh, to, to brian's point you know i'm i'm happy to pay it too i didn't i didn't mean to sound like i was um you know opposed to this i think we just need to be careful whenever the government is collecting money on our behalf and um you know just to to make sure that that there's some oversight but yeah the the nitrogen i mean all the all the harmful things that, that that we talk about rust tides and algae blooms and and fish kills um you know the that close our beaches every year and you know and just impact impact the you know the entire ecosystem and you know and all that and that's all coming from nitrogen and the nitrogen is is coming from septics
5: Yep,
4: and absolutely. fertilizer. Don't I mean that's a big part of it too. It's mm-hmm. nitrogen from from septic systems is number one, but fertilizer is a big, big problem as well. People just
0: Embrace your brown lawn. Way too much. Embrace your brown, your brown lawn. It's it's a healthy thing. This is Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists today are Beth Young of the East End Beacon, Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, and Brian Cosgrove of WLIWFM. Brian, we were talking off air. I thought this was an interesting thing that, we should talk about, which is the interview this week uh, that CNN did with uh, former president Donald Trump drew a lot of fire and has drawn a lot of criticism from folks um, about how it went down. But we were talking about how this translates to sort of locally how and how we deal with politicians. These kinds of interviews, it, it's a real challenge. I mean, we saw it uh, on that level trying to uh use an interview opportunity like that to 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 get some information out on a on a person who's the leader you know he's the leading candidate for the republican nomination for president uh in the in the upcoming uh, election uh but it's difficult sometimes to do those interviews and and keep them under control and and actually try and get something worthwhile out of them we have those troubles when we do local interviews
2: yeah i i you know just the you know, the, when I do interviews, I usually do because I host a music show, basically, and I have the pleasure to touch base with you guys, is that, you know, I really appreciate the art of the interview. You know, it's, it's a it's a it really is an art, you know, and uh, and watching, um, you know, this town hall the other night and seeing where we are with news and thinking about you guys. And I have a you know, I admire you guys and you guys, I think, are as close to what journalism is supposed to be as it humanly can possibly be. And that is to report the truth, no matter, you don't let any of your biases get in the way. Again, we're all human beings. And I think you guys do an excellent job here locally. And I I thought of you guys having to deal with debates and talking to politicians. And now when we see, you know, every press conference, some poor journalist asks a question and somebody's like, that's a stupid question. I mean, they don't get respect. I'm not going to even answer that. That's ridiculous. That's the first of all, that's ridiculous that they won't answer the question or they'll they'll berate the reporter. And the other thing I thought about is I'm a big fan. I don't watch it anymore because I've watched it a million times. The movie Jaws. And I was thinking about this. I think it was um, just I think it was Dreyfus that says to Robert Shaw as Quint is going like dry. He turns to him and he says, why are we letting the shark lead us out into the ocean? Why aren't we leading the shark into shore? And I thought about that. And it's like journalism is just getting swept away because it's first off, it's a business. And I understand that. But the fact is, is that, you know, this has been a very successful situation the other night for the Republican candidate, Donald Trump. He, you know, it, I mean, he had it made in that situation for the most
3: part. Well, he understands television like nobody, yeah. like nobody's business. Yeah. Think, like, it's when interesting. It's, Go
2: ahead, Sorry. No, I was. I just. Um, I, I just. I just find it interesting that you know. I mean, we are at a point now where it's like the candidate is leading the message. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're not, and they won't acknowledge when they have. When, when there's a question, they'll 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 say a lie, and when when they get called on the lie, they'll just get moody, and yeah, you know, it's it's ridiculous, and well, and and, it's, and now everybody doesn't want to hear what they don't want to hear.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Caitlin Collins. I've I've seen the way she peppered him with questions yeah. in the White House press briefings. I thought she would do a really good job. And I think, you know, this is like, you know, the, the Kennedy-Nixon um, debates where the people who heard it on the radio thought Nixon won, but the people mm. who saw it. And I really think just seeing the good two point. of them in a room together with her with the, you know, um, suffragist pantsuit and him yeah. towering over her. And as soon as he says, you're a nasty woman, everything goes to pieces um and and he knows that he knows that that's going to happen all that's all he has to do and everything will go to pieces and you know um i don't know what, i mean television cnn is a television station they're not going to do it on the radio um i think as print journalists we're lucky we don't have to deal with that added show business factor but i mean i think back to like um trying to get lee zeldin to hold a town hall we were all trying that for a long time um i think mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Nick, Heck, Nick, trying to get Lee Zeldin to to agree to a, an on the phone interview became yeah. impossible, and yeah. I think I think you see that not just with with you know uh, Congress people, but you see that on on a local level too, where you've got um, I I, not, I don't want to say mayors, you know, but but you've got you know some some people in local municipalities that don't want to agree to an interview, and you know you get the send me your questions through an email. And, and we've talked about it on this show. You send your, send your, mm-hmm. so, so you either don't interview them or you send them questions and they don't answer your questions in the email. Or somebody
0: else answers them for yeah. them.
1: And, and you're stuck, and you're stuck printing their message and not the answer to, to the question, or, or you're faced with the possibility of just not, you know, not answering the question. I think Brian's right. I think, I think the, the, the way that, that we interview, um, Politicians and the way that they respond, even on a very local level, um, has has certainly changed over the twenty some odd years that I've been doing this stuff. Yeah, the, the, the interview, of,
4: interview the, without opportunity for follow up is not an interview. It's not an interview. interview. Just yeah, is, right.
5: It's, it's
0: a not Q&A. an interview. And, and unfortunately, we have we have about a minute left. But the yeah. point oh. is, the, the point is that we do get an impact at the local level. Um, when the, the nature of the political conversation changes at the national level.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, they, try, they try to put, hitch onto that wagon and, and they just get like, you know, you can't get a hold of Zeldin, you can't get a hold of The art of listening, it's, it's everybody's just waiting for their turn to talk. They're not, mm-hmm. no one's listening to anybody. They're just trying mm-hmm. to push their agenda. They're, they're ignoring the question or they're ignoring the, the follow-up like uh, Denise alluded to. It's a real challenge. There's
0: no question about it. Um, And I do think it's gotten worse over the last five or 10 years uh, Mm -hmm. at the local level, too. It filters down, no question. It's accelerating. Yeah. Yeah. we're out of time Uh, another lively conversation and I appreciate it thank you guys Uh, I want to thank our guests today Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local Brian Cosgrove of Cosgrove of WLIW FM and Beth Young of the East End Beacon. thank the three of you uh, as always for being with us thank you Uh, and I want to thank my co-host Bill Sutton thanks Bill
1: thank you Joe
0: I'm Joe Shaw we'll be back next week with Behind the Headlines thank you for joining us